Look, look at you, standing there draped in red from head to toe, like every other communist bastard around here. I came to this godforsaken frozen tundra to kick your ass. Ho, ho, ho! What seems to be the problem, son? Yo, yo, yo! The problem is your cold, dead, commie eyes, judging me, judging all of us. I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about. Would you like some cocoa? Of course I would, but it doesn't mix with all the performance-enhancing drugs I just took. What the hell's going on around here? All these little people dressed alike, doing what you tell them? Well, they're making toys for the children of the world! But you're probably gonna well, distribute them evenly and fairly to everyone, aren't you? You socialist! Apollo was right about you! Apollo the sun god? He was like a son to me, and a god! Let me get you a cookie. Don't bother, I just throw it up. Yo, you have any boiled chicken breast and brown rice? Well, sometimes the reindeer, like, and that's another thing. Get a regular dog like everyone else in America. We're not in America, and reindeers aren't technically- Oh, I know damn well we're not in America. I'm sick of your oppression, fat man. Look, why don't you just sit on my lap? Oh, I bet you'd like that, huh, Pinko? Oh, Jesus Christ! He's the reason for the season. I swallowed three teeth. You know, watching all these midgets, they're elves. Watching all these shelves smiling as I punched you makes me think that we're not so different after all. I guess if I can change, then you can change. And it, well, wait, if I, right, well, if I've changed, then so wait, 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 so you're changing right now. It's like that movie where Dudley Moore changes into his own son. Dudley Moore? He's right over there crying on the phone to his agent. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Hope everybody had a nice, safe, and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to episode 27 of opening weekend oh dear dear lord uh here we are <laughs> we're uh we're we're still in the 80s friends after last week's uh, examination of planes trains and automobiles and three men and a baby from 1987 we are now traveling back to november 27th 1985 and that weekend's releases rocky four and santa claus the movie Oh, God. So much to discuss. <laughs> um, but, but before we get underway with the holiday hijinks, uh, hi, Fred. Hi, Dan, my dear, dear friends. What were you boys doing in November of 1985? Oh, my dear friends, I remember very well what I was doing around this time. Uh -oh. Very, very well. So at this point, I've, we, we've, we've, we've been in 1985 before. We've discussed in September, mm -hmm. I Became a Man by Jewish mm -hmm. Law, Rockin' Freddie B, the Bar Mitzvah, right. to remember. Mm -hmm. And around this time, now, let me see, how do I, how do I, how do I put this? So I, I didn't, I did not really play much baseball growing up. I didn't really play in Little League. I played a little bit. I didn't, I never really hit the ball. And normally the coach would always tell me just to like, you know, not swing and try to, and try to get walks. So I wasn't a great hitter. But you would have had a great strike zone, a hard strike zone for the for the pitcher to try to get in there. Yeah, no, no they just, they didn't want to trust it. So oh, for God's sake. they would just say like, don't swing. But around this time, around November 1985, 
I did get to first base and second base oh, for the first time. Wow. First and second on your on, for the first time. Yeah. All in one go? All in one. No, a couple <laughs> goes. A couple goes. Okay, a couple goes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm not talking about baseball anymore. Wait a minute. It's a metaphor. Now, oh, I knew, I knew that right away. For coochie, coochie, coo. Yeah, this was... Uh, <laughs> You and Charo made it? (laughs) Finally. I like the older women. What can I say? What can I say? Uh, Yeah, I think this was around the time when I discovered the land of love. I'm not sure I know what the bases are. And I I hope I'm not the only one. I I think they've changed. They've changed quite a bit. I think now now first base is is probably like a threesome. (laughs) Didn't uh, it used to be, wasn't that just kissing or making out? First base is kissing. Second base is under the shirt. Oh, for God's sake. Third base was down the pants. And fourth base was... The home run. Home run. Paradise okay. by the dashboard light. Bill Rizzuto doing the doing okay. the play by play. So I was in the dugout, in other words, then. I wasn't even I was <laughs> I was on the I was watching baseball. Right. Or I was You're on watching. another field entirely. Yeah. Okay. Now you were I you were that you were the guy who was watching me and Nino when I got to first base. That was you. I was in the stands cheering you on. Yeah, you were the creepy kid with the mustache. Hello, was the pants the pants down by his ankles? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Welcome. I'm trying trying to stick my tongue down her throat, and this kid keeps picking corn out of his ass cracks. Oh. What's going on? That's a callback to last episode. Triggered again. It's only enhancing the excitement. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yeah, I was, so when I think I, I, I think I might've discussed this in the last episode as well. I was dating this girl. Well, dating is such a, is a loose term. I was, I was saying that I was going out with this girl, mm. Jenny Vaccaro, and then we broke up or she dumped me. She dumped me in front of everyone because we, mm. we didn't really do it. We weren't really going out. We never went on a date or anything. In front and, of everyone, like in a public, which is yeah. on the PA system? Like how pretty did she much, do it? Pretty much, pretty much. just like in the lockers. She was very nice about it, but. And then I turned it around. I was like, well, you can't dump me because I dump you. It was really, mm, it, was, wow. it, was, it was silly and childish. Yeah. I, you see how I did that? <laughs> um, and then, so around this time, I started to date this girl, Nina, who was a year, who, who was visited. She's called into the show before as right. the, the demon, the smoke demon. She's called. In. Right. Yes. What right, was that right. episode? Uh, that was when we did, when we, when we did Ghost. What episode that was, was that? That it was, was probably Ghost. seven or eight. That was, yeah, uh, yeah. That Nina, was in like she, July she was in, or August. Right. Yeah. She was an evil, um, smoke monsters yeah from under from the underworld yeah she's, that was scary <laughs> yeah that was scary back then she wasn't so scary she was very mm. nice she was in seventh grade i was in eighth grade she sent a note to uh, my friend dean holzer saying i like fred <gasps> uh, she sent another note saying i really like fred oh. uh we went out she complimented i just bought my my new air jordans the air jordans just come out she complimented them Ooh. so I, I said do you want to go out and we started to go out. We didn't, I don't know what that meant at the time as we sure. discussed. We just started to go out. This has nothing but to do with the bases at this point. No. Okay. But we soon got to the bases. Probably, it must have been around this time, I think. Oh because, God. and the reason I know this is because we went on a double date. It was me and Nina. And then uh, my friend Julie Birkin. And she was dating that guy, Dean Holzer. We went on a double date to see young Sherlock Holmes, which Ooh, came out in December, right. I believe. Yeah. And, and that would I remember, get anyone in the mood, I think. Well, at that point, <laughs> we were already like getting to first base on a regular basis. Oh, right. Kind you don't of. Have to rub it in. 
But or we do went. You? But but here's what's so funny. We went to this movie theater. And I and they I remember Julie and Dean were like, ah, this is gonna be a fun movie. Cause it was like the whole idea was we were gonna go and we were gonna go see the movie, but just make out in the back. I really wanted to see young Sherlock Holmes. I didn't want to make out. <laughs> you idiot. So idiot. I was a little I I was a little bummed. Oh. I mean, we made out a little bit, but yeah, we made out. Uh it was in the it was a place called the Eagle's Nest, which was at Munsey Park School, my elementary school. And there was this it, I mean, the way I remember that it, it's probably like nothing. A, <laughs> Sounds like a leather club or something. The Eagles it was, and it was, it was next to the it was, Bath Club. It was at your elementary school. Everything <laughs> yeah. had such provocative sounding names. <laughs> the Eagles Nest. Or... I was going to say I didn't know you went to high school in a or middle school in a on a pirate ship. I didn't know, but that's the crow's <laughs> nest. I'm getting you confused. Ah, stick your tongue in me, gullet said, and I did. Um, <laughs> Work it down there. This is first base, don't you know? <laughs> You're not getting to third base on my ship there. So we went, yeah, we went. I'll feel your stump. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, there was a stump. I got stumpy. Yeah, oh. we went to, it was the playground of Munsey Park School, and there was a there was a hill, and it had sort of like an indentation in it, and when I- After <laughs> you were done with it. <laughs> <laughs> But we called it the Eagle's Nest for whatever reason. So oh we were like hanging out and rolling around on the Eagle's Nest. And I always remember she went, she we were like fake wrestling and she was on top of me. And I remember my head thinking, holy shit, like, are we going to make out or are we going to kiss? And she went down to kiss me. And I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to, so I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those big, long movie kisses. So mm. I sort of was starting to get into it, but she was just going in for like a peck and then she pulled back. But I kept sort of going up. like uh, So I, to not look oh, stupid, no. I remember I kissed her and then I was like, <laughs> I made like a funny noise and oh, no. because I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. But this is worse than your moment. This is worse than your moment with Ed Harris. This is far. This is Oddly so much enough, worse. Did the same thing with Ed Harris in the Eagle's Nest as well. That was the problem. I was like, Mr. Harris, do you, do you want to take a walk in the Eagle's Nest? He was like, I've been to that elementary school, kid. I know all about the indentation. Madigan and I go there all the time. Uh, so yeah, but then we, you know, I got better and there was some yeah, there was some making out. And then there was a little we got there was this little second base action too. Just a little bit, just for like a second, but it was enough. Where were it your parents? Enough. Where was your mother with the condom costume to put on you? Why was that no was one to, she to sheathe you and protect to you? To you from God knows what in the eighties. Did you no, listen to I, anyone in the 80s? It was all just say no and protect yourself and everything else. Just say no to drugs. You can barely, you can touch a person a little. I mean, it, now you can't. Not now. These days, no. these days you just stay away from everybody and you'll never shake a hand again and certainly no bases. But <laughs> no bases. But then. <laughs> it was, yeah, that was in her closet. We were in her closet Ooh. at her house and we were, it was like, a, it was a bunch of us. It might've been Julie and Dean again. And everyone, you know, you go in, you play like seven, seven minutes, minutes in heaven. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. And yeah, there was just like, I remember the, the hand sort of sneaking up the shirt and suddenly it was there just for a second. And I brushed skin. I'm like, what is, holy shit, that's a boob. That's a, and then it was out again. It was real quick, but it was, it was life altering, life changing. Aww. 
That's beautiful. Uh, Nina, if you're listening from the, from, from the great, you know, underworld, from the river sticks <laughs> or still, wherever you are. She's still here. I know. You're she's saying still like alive. Oh, she's still with us. Oh, okay. How is she a smoke demon then? Well, maybe we'll find out. I don't know. She, she sounds like a smoke demon because <laughs> oh, of all the smoking she had done. I don't think I she see. was... I don't think she was a deceased kind of. Uh, no, I think she was upset about the breakup. I think that's what happened. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, and yeah. she became a smoker, and and she was very really despondent. Oh, for uh, God's sake! Well, if the, she's listening, the effect uh, you, you know, have on women, Fred. Yeah, that's what you it did is. that to her. You, did I did that, that to her. her. Got to yeah. went under the shirt, and she turned into a demon smoke monster. No, oh, for God's like sake! Like you do, like you do. Oh, so, God's yeah, that was my. Uh, that was my post Thanksgiving nice. <laughs> exploits. Happy Thanksgiving in, in to 85. you! Wow, wow, wow. wow. Um, while you were getting affection from Nina, I was getting some uh, a di- very different kind of affection from my new teachers in middle school, who liked what I was putting out as far what? as my papers oh, and wow. my assignments. I went to a place called school. See, I didn't go to the <laughs> Eagle's Nest and roll around <laughs> with people. I had a thing that I went to called middle school. And the only people giving me any affection or approval were, you know, the science teacher, Mr. Dietitian, <laughs> or, you know, people like that, because I was doing the assignments well. And then I would go home and eat my beefaroni and cheese and watch, you know, a Gilligan's Island, sure. a different stroke. What were the, what were the go-to? This is the thing I remember most about the 80s. Everybody remember, you know, besides the music, the yeah, music, uh-huh. obviously, you know, the movies, obviously, it's what mm-hmm. this whole podcast is about. But the show, what were the go-to must-see, absolutely could not miss it. After school, boom, you 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 settled in. What? MTV, MTV was starting around this oh, time. Yeah. Absolutely. See, we didn't have cable, so I had to watch that at friends' houses. But yes, that was really starting with that the was VJs. Really big. Yeah. When it started to get into like hard rock and heavy metal, they had the Headbangers Ball, and I would, and that was usually after school, and I would run home to see that. That was a little later. G.I. Joe was mine. Could not miss it. G.I. Joe. um, Absolutely had to watch that. Transformers. uh, This was a little bit maybe before this, before 85. Uh, Transformers couldn't miss it. G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it was um, always for, for like the whitest kid in uh, America. Like everything I watched after school was what's happening. Good times. What's happening? Sanford yeah. and son, yes. the Jeffersons. Yes. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. that was everything that I remember kind of watching in the, in the and late afternoon, the early evening, Reruns. all in the family yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Barney yeah. Miller. We would watch. Oh yeah. Barney Miller. We always mm-hmm. watch Barney Miller, but you're right. What's happening was huge. What's happening was big. Because after school, happening. it was like you yeah. would get the reruns of the sitcoms, like a what's happening or a Sanford and son. But you would also get the cartoon. So you kind of had to pick mm-hmm. and choose, you know, what you would watch. But once those yeah. get, went into syndication, like different strokes, absolutely. You were watching it all, oh, the, yeah. all right. the time. All the Facts time. of Life. Facts of Life was on. Yes. Facts mm-hmm. of Life was a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I remember my sister loved Three's Company. I couldn't stand it. I hated it. I went back and <laughs> she forth about it. I, I, there were like times when I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And there were times when I was like, no, same thing with Gilligan's Island, where I was like, I can't take one more minute of this. When Enough. I was a little kid, I liked Three's Company more than when I was old enough to get what it was, what they were playing at with the, <laughs> uh-huh. the double entendres. I don't know why. You would think that I would be titillated. It would be the way that would be the river. <laughs> Like after puberty, I'd be like, oh my God, this is allowed on TV. I'm feeling things. When I was, I found it more entertaining when I was very, very small. And I was just,
just like those silly people. They keep running in and out of rooms. So you like the Ropers more than Mr. Furley? I was just, holy fuck. Yes. I was just going to ask that question. Yes. Fred. Mr. I Furley, you know, Don Knotts, a, a, a master, but you know, he's, he was, a, he was a poor man's Mr. Roper. He just couldn't, this, you know, this is the dividing line. It's like, are you, are you for Trump or Biden? Are you for Furley oh, or for Roper? I don't think that's, that's what it is. I don't think they're that different. It, it's really, it's, I've seen Thanksgiving dinners completely destroyed because of an argument about yeah. Roper or Furley. Yeah. But no, I know exactly what you mean, Jason. It's like, you know, as it, as, as it went on, you sort of appreciated it. I appreciated, what was it, Jack Tripper? What the hell's his name? John, John Ritter. Ritter. John Ritter more as the years went on because I understood sure. his what he was doing, the craft of what he was He's doing. Talented, more, but yeah, hated so talented. the show more as it, as, it, <laughs> right. as it went on and on. And same thing with Gilligan's Island. It was like, ugh. okay, now did you were you a ginger guy or a Marianne guy? Marianne. Mm. Yeah, I was more Marianne. Ginger. I was more of a Mrs. I, Howell, to be truthful. <laughs> <laughs> but a ginger for sure. Which which one of the Harlem Globetrotters? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I was, more, I was more of a curly guy. <laughs> you were more a curly Neil. <laughs> it was just that one magical episode. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I, I was not getting to any bases with anybody. There was no, no way in hell. But but I was, I was a freshman in high school. and I Oh, brand I new had, freshman. I had art class first period every morning and I was obsessed with, there was a girl who was a senior Mm. named Maria Taverna, beautiful, beautiful girl who was the night, just the nicest person. Like we became like, Oh, you've spoken friends, about her before. Nice. I don't know that I've mentioned her no, before. I thought you mentioned in another episode that you like fell in with a senior and you you went to go see like Supergirl together. Oh, that was that was a different that was a different uh, that was a different. Oh, that was a, a different, different girl. older beautiful woman. Yeah, it was a different older beautiful. You both disgust me. Can I just say you both disgust me? <laughs> that was another senior when I was a freshman. Is there some way I can quantum leap? Maybe Hoyt Axton will come back with Dean Stockwell, and I can somehow quantum leap back into your bodies. In the 80s. It, it'd be a good time. No, for me, it would be all look, but don't talk. I mean, I made <laughs> friends with these girls and I had, you know, vigorous fantasies about them. But I was like their, <laughs> I was like their little, you know, chubby, acne ridden friend who they thought was funny. And they were very sweet to me. But I harbored these delusions of like, maybe, maybe she'll want to go out with the, you know, the least athletic ninth grader <laughs> at this school. <laughs> I mean, it was never going to happen, but she was so kind. I think I did tell some kid some, or a little group of kids who I was like, these kids, they'll never find out. I think I said, because they would be like, you're always in the hall talking to that Maria girl. You're always walking oh, after class dang. in the morning. with her. And I think I said something like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, uh, <laughs> I lied to like a couple of kids. And I was like, yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, we're going to see what happens. We're hanging out. Like, I mean, no. it sounded like we no. were like negotiating like a relationship. And you, you were know, like Lucas. I, yeah, I get yeah, exactly. But the older girl, Carrie, whatever. Yes, from yes. The Goonies. No, so I only, but I said that to just a, a, a couple. Of, I don't know why I did that. That could have come back and bit me hard, but it never. I know ever why you did. did it? Because you were, you were, you were, you were putting it into the universe. Yeah, you were you doing know? the secret before there was a secret. Ah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Much the way. David Huddleston seems to be putting into the universe that he wants to give toys to children for the rest of his life. 
I, oh, I, I'm not good at segues. But is, I'm just, I'm trying desperately. Is to that do. what he was putting into the universe? <laughs> and, and did the universe turn around and say, fuck you? <laughs> because that's <sighs> what I wanted to say to the universe after I had to pay $3.99 oh. to rent this movie oh, on Amazon. Man. Oh, dude, you could have watched it on Peacock. It's on Peacock for free. And Peacock is free. I didn't realize that till afterwards. I know. I didn't. I just found that out last night. I was like, oh, shit. All right. I'll. I'll watch this. I mean, you have to watch a few commercials, but uh, it's a small yeah. price to pay. It's <sighs> podcast sponsored by Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> and Peacock Meat. Oh, God. <laughs> it's what's for dinner. Um, <laughs> Peacock, the other white meat. Uh, shall we Shall we talk about this thing? Let's shall talk we, uh, about this thing. Let's start off the holidays right with Santa Claus, the movie. Only one man can help us. And he's coming to take you for a sleigh ride in the stars. <laughs> Alexander Salkine yeah! presents Dudley Moore and John Lithgow. The legend comes to life for the very first time. With all the magic, all the adventure, all the wonder. Santa Claus, the movie. Seeing is believing. In olden times, <laughs> a man, a man named Klaus or Claus, or you know where I'm getting to here. Claus, played by the Big Lebowski's Lebowski, David Huddleston, delivers toys to the children of his small village each Christmas. After he and his wife appear to succumb to hypothermia, Klaus, or Claus, inexplicably fulfills his destiny, I guess, to become the one and only Santa Claus after encountering Burgess Meredith's Ghost of Christmas something or other at a toy shop that somehow already exists and is operational, despite the fact that the man behind it all technically doesn't exist yet, I think. <sighs> Over the course of what feels like centuries to us, oh. but actually is centuries in the film, Santa begins to become overwhelmed by his workload and takes on an assistant who is too busy making elf puns to focus on his day job. The disgruntled elf, named Patch and played by Dudley Moore, flees the workshop to take a job at a failing toy company in New York City, where he unknowingly threatens the fate of Christmas itself when he joins forces with a scheming, over-the-top businessman played by John Lithgow. Santa Claus the Movie was produced by the father and son team of Alexander and Ilya Salkind, who brought the first three Superman movies as well as Supergirl to the silver screen and was helmed by Supergirl's director, Jeannot Swark. The film seriously underperformed, taking in $5.6 million over its opening weekend on its way to only $23.7 million worldwide, less than half of the film's production budget. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Santa Claus? The movie. Oh, you know how sometimes you watch a movie <laughs> and you think that you have found like a hidden gem, you know, yeah. you think you've uncovered this thing. It's like, oh my God, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this so much. I'm going to, I can't wait to yeah. talk about this because I'm so endeared by it. I am going to learn the story of Sa the first 20, not even 20, 12 to 15 yeah. minutes of this thing are lovely they're Wrong. absolutely lovely 
I think that I think mm. it was lovely to see him going from town to town in wherever Norway or wherever the fuck they are, you know, and and giving the little handmade gifts to the to the children, mm-hmm. and then going out in the snow. And yes, they succumb to hypothermia. <laughs> That's what it seemed like, right? They like but die and then are saved. Sure. No, they by die. Elves. They're, they're that dead. Scene, I, all I was waiting, I wait. I was waiting to hear, and then to see Santa jump off and slice open the reindeer with the lightsaber, <laughs> crawl inside, crawl inside, <laughs> and then Mrs. Claus goes, "I thought this smelled bad on the outside." <laughs> that if, if that happened, I may, I may have given this. One Sheila. Oh, I'm going to jump into Sheila's already. Well, listen, I thought that that beginning was really lovely. And I was like, like, this is going to be like our first true, true, other than Megaforce, our first true hidden gem of the podcast (laughs) where we can say, everyone needs to see this. And then, holy fuck, nothing. (laughs) And I mean, nothing happens for a good hour. Yeah. A solid hour of no, the plot does not kick in. Now, you guys know when we talk about the horror movies, I like stuff that's like set up, set up, set up. Let's establish tone. Let's reestablish it. Let's just keep going. But at least you get dribs and drabs of character and plot and things like that in a movie like Alien, where, you know, the thing doesn't pop out of your eyes just until an hour in. With this, you get fucking nothing. You get nothing. Until the plot doesn't kick in until Lithgow shows up and he shows up at about an hour. Very late. Yeah. Very late. In an hour and 45 minute movie. It Hmm. seemed even, it seemed even later in than that. This movie was interminable. Oh God. It was, was, I didn't realize, I was like, oh shit. They were, it was almost like they were trying to make like the godfather of Santa movies. Like they were trying to make an epic and it was afterwards, it was like three or four different movies put together and they were all fucking horrendous. Yeah. You know, <laughs> except you for the- that very first movie, which <sighs> I wish this whole movie, Fred, if this whole movie was, here's a man who's a toy maker. And at the end he becomes Santa. Yeah. There's your fucking movie. Yes. In the very beginning, I thought, okay, this is sort of, okay, this is, this is quaint. I'm not mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus. I'm like, wow, she's really bad. Really well, I liked bad. Her. I not as bad know. as Joe, the kid. Oh my no. God. Oh, that kid. Baby that poor kid. Jesus. That there, oh, I'm just gonna kids. jump it. I'm both kids were some of the worst child acting I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. I'm jumping ahead. There was a scene that disturbed me to no end. I mean, and I had to rewind it a couple of times because I just kept thinking, wait, what's happening? It's a scene. He's outside the window, this little fucking weird orphan kid who's calling up to the other orphan girl. And I guess he's supposed to be, he's trying to get her attention. He's below the window and he's supposed to be whistling. You would either yeah, whistle. And he goes, he makes like a fucking raccoon noise. Yeah, he, <laughs> he bears his teeth like a like a fucking gerbil, yeah. and the sound that comes out is not a human sound. It's like, I don't know what it was, but I thought, wait a minute, is he trying to whistle? No, I rewound it. Is he going like? <laughs> is he making a noise like? Hoo, 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 nothing. And I kept rewinding, thinking, what is going on? And I thought, okay, maybe maybe the kid can't whistle, so they ADR'd in like a whistle sound. But it it, it literally sounds like someone is stepping <laughs> on a raccoon. You should ADR a and whistle. Make a whistle sound. shape with your mouth. Like, that's what I mean. Put, put purse your lips, fucking dumbass. He had to be. He was related to somebody. He must have been. Some, maybe he was the director's kid or something. It disturbed me. Know. It disturbed me. I see what you're saying about the beginning. And yes, it could have been. I remember when it started. I thought, okay, this is very quaint and wow, they're really going for like a classic mm-hmm. tale of of like 
classic Santa Claus, but it just kept going and going and going. And he seemed completely, I thought, wait, is, is he, are they dead? Did they die? He seems completely nonplussed. I think they die. Yeah. I think they <laughs> die. I think they die. And it's their angels or their spirits or their souls or whatever that become immortal and okay. become fucking Santa and mystical. Well, that would be that would be an interesting movie. But we didn't get that. We weren't told that. You're right. But they only go to New York, apparently, too. Yeah, they yeah. deliver no other presents around. Yeah, they, I mean, well, I'll tell you what. You know, this all comes down to I did see this movie in the theater when it came out. I saw this Ooh. opening weekend, I think. Ooh. And I saw it because it was Santa Claus the movie from the producers of Superman the movie. And that and sure. all the advertising was like, this is the epic tale of this other fictional character. As if I was, you know, it's like, all right. I mean, I'm not I'm not into Santa Claus anymore. <laughs> I was into Superman, right? But I and was he like flies, Superman flies. I was like, I was like, there's something, there might be something fun in here and the legend building and stuff. So that's why the very beginning kind of works for a little bit and it's interesting and that and you say you know you say it's like it feels like it wants to be the godfather of of these movies now mario puzo wrote the script for superman after right. doing the godfather right. now sure, he had yeah. nothing to do with this but i'm saying the the producers <laughs> i think were very much they were like we're gonna make another big sprawling epic it's gonna start very mythically and then it's going to, and then we're gonna shift gears to another location and then we're gonna shift gears to the gene hackman part they said very very openly that the the john lithgow bad guy was supposed to be like when lex luthor pops into superman at about the <sighs> the that's at like the one third mark or something of okay, the movie so you know trying to do a formula that, trying to do some sort of a formula um which it doesn't you know the special effects you can tell many of those new york city shots when santa claus is flying across the city exact like the plates are exactly like footage new york city footage from the superman movies and, you, and, I, can, and I can even just tell just from having seen those other movies so much i'm wow. like well that's i can remember wow. general zod flying past that <laughs> it's like oh and now santa is uh, so it's a lot of that kind of thing. Wait, does this it's, make um, Dudley more Miss Tessmacher somehow? <laughs> if you oh, wanted to. Uh, and, and we will talk about like the 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 great, great, great Superman the movie in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're doing a special episode uh, about uh, Superman and our favorite superhero movies. But that's a movie that I think succeeded in spite of its producer's worst instincts. And you and there, mm, there are all sorts of things that have been written about how Richard Donner, thank God, the director of that film, Richard Donner, right. he had a vision for that and he stuck to it and he had a lot of battles with the producers and ultimately as a result was fired halfway through making Superman 2, but he got his vision on the screen and yeah. that really, it really played. Yeah. They would have cut corners in every conceivable way if they had been left to their own devices and Superman might have turned out like Santa Claus. That's, that's all I'll say about that. Oh. As far as like... Uh, yeah, as far as like the, the weird places that this movie goes, I, it, you know, it's so funny because there's a whole subplot about uh, the, the crassness of commercialism associated with Christmas. And yet this and Rocky Four, quite frankly, some of the product placement is Pabst Blue uh, Ribbon. John oh. Lithgow drinks Pabst Blue Ribbon <laughs> out of a right. brandy snifter. Uh, brandy I actually <laughs> chuckled at that, Fred. I actually chuckled at that. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny when but he swirls it. McDonald's. It. I mean, it yeah, well, the homeless kid, the urchin, that McDonald's, that was like a dystopian commercial for McDonald's. I oh, mean, God. it looked like a commercial. <laughs> it was like the way we look at the outside of the restaurant, the way we, the, the, yes. the kind of food yeah. porn of like people eating Big Macs and Chicken McNuggets oh. while a 
starving homeless child yeah. looks in through the window. Please, sir, I want some more. Mmm, aren't you glad you're warm and inside with McDonald's? <laughs> It was surreal, and I didn't remember that. I didn't remember much from when I saw it as a kid. I remember Dudley Moore and being like, ah, he was tepid, and I remember that John Lithgow was... Awful? <laughs> I think I thought he was funny because he was at least doing something, but yeah, it's, it's awful. He's chomping it's the scenery in this. I will say that. He was going for it. What would it cost? Cost? Cost who? The, the people who, who buy the toy. Well, nothing. We're going to give them away free. Oh... Oh, that's fantastic. How do you turn your face so red so fast? For free! Oh, my God. I, I, I really like John Lithgow, but in this podcast, we've maybe seen two Lithgow. of his worst performances yeah. ever between Cliffhanger and this. If we get to Raising Kane someday, we'll see number three. <laughs> we'll I see mean, at one three. point, he did like a fake yawn when his assistant... Oh, there, you know, yeah, Fred, terrible. Terrible. <laughs> the deputy from Jaws, who I loved. I'm like, why do I know that guy's voice? I'm like, oh, he's from Jaws. He was the deputy. Oh, right, he was right, Henriksen right. or whatever. Oh, he's the Miss Tessmacher then. That makes exactly, sense. Exactly, yeah. When he shows <laughs> yes, up at night, <laughs> and yeah, and John Lithgow opens the door. He's like, oh, I was sleeping. He does this ridiculously fake yawn. So I fake. Oh my God. And what? then, yeah, Lithgow was in, in another movie. Uh, there was a part of me that was like, all right, well, kudos for him for going for it. And apparently I was reading an interview with him that he's like, people in London love this movie. In England, oh, it was a huge hit. And he says that out of all his roles, people approach him and they talk about this. Santa Claus seems, the movie? Yeah. Which it has so kind of become like me. a cult movie. What? It, it what? kind of, I, I've, I've heard that. How? I don't know. Why? What the hell are you talking about? This past guy. Uh -huh. He told me he keeps that secret ingredient of his in cold storage because it comes from the North Pole. Uh huh. So we started manufacturing the candy canes. Uh huh. It's a very powerful mixture, you know. Uh huh. So I just assumed I should refrigerate them too. Damn it, Towser, get on with your story. Stop giving me all these short sentences and making me go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, like some kind of damn moron. Ouch. I mean, I guess at the Ouch. time, maybe they thought it was going to be bigger than it was. Because like you said, it oh, was you know, the same people who did Superman. Oh, they and thought was this was going to be huge. They thought this was going to be a big, at least that's the way they were billing it and pushing it. You have it to have a plot. Making. Did they get together with the makers of Empire Records and say, plot, <laughs> we'll just throw plot away. We don't oh, need it's, plot. It's real you bad. See them, you see the workings of the Santa's workshop for 40 straight minutes. I know. Just shots and pans and zooms around the workshop as they're going yuck, yuck, making the most boring toys in the world, making horrible, oh. boring things. And then, oh, in the back to the product placement, did you catch this? The one scene after the McDonald's, you know, commercial in the middle of this movie, they the Coca Cola gets <laughs> oh, yeah. gets carefully placed in the frame oh, by yeah. the little girl. Uh, where it says Coke and it's like so carefully placed in the frame and, and it's pro product placement. They cut away to the kids, you know, smiling face. They cut back. It's the it's other turned. side of the Coke mm -hmm. clan where it says Coca-Cola. Yes. Just so that we get both pieces of the branding in there. You dumb dickhead. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, that's not even a continuity error. No, it's not a continuity error. That's Coca-Cola saying, I want to see both sides. And then they, again, like the McDonald's thing. And then they change thing. it to a new Coke can. <laughs> <laughs> then Cherry Coke. Um, <laughs> then Dasani, which they didn't even have yet. Um, he's like, I, I'm feeling sick. I should drink water. Um, no, but the kid even... It's also, it's again, it's another dystopian commercial because it's a homeless child with a Coke drinking, like he's got food, 
but the yeah. food doesn't satisfy the way the Coke does. He drinks that Coke, and then he goes and he leans back. He goes, ah, and he leans against the brick wall with the rat shit or whatever, and you expect to hear, just for the taste of it. I mean, it's really, really surreal. It was really you know, upsetting. You know what he should have eaten? Maybe he should have had some fruit, like the library that the <sighs> nanny said. Did you notice that? The nanny was a terrible what? actress. What? She was awful. The nanny who was like, you need to you need to study your Latin. You know, you're, you're great. So uh, go to the library. She's at the fucking library. I, thought, I did not catch that. No one caught that? I didn't no hear one that. The, the, uppity, the uppity rich Upper East Side woman saying library? Wow. Oh, God. There were just so many things like that. I, I don't even know what this movie was about. I was so confused. Oh, no. Taylor it's came in. I watched. I watched a good chunk of it. She saw some of it. She was in and out. She came in much later, and, and was like, "So what's happened so far?" And I, I attempted to make a, to make a description of everything that's happened. I was like, "Okay, so Dudley Moore left Santa's workshop because he was make he was the he became Santa's assistant, but that didn't make any sense because he didn't actually help Santa make toys. He just automated the process. But the other elves are still making toys, so he didn't really automate the process. And what Santa seems to need help with is the <laughs> delivery of the toys. No one's helping him with that. We never see Santa actually make a toy, so he's not really the assistant. But that's neither here nor there because Gilgamesh gives up on it and goes to the real world in New York. And and then decides to be with John Lithgow and makes lollipops. He makes magical makes lollipops, lollipops, not toys. That's, as not if that's toys. a Christmas gift. A lollipop? Come on. That Nonsense. may and then, the worst thing in the movie. He doesn't make a toy, Jason. He makes a lollipop. He doesn't make a toy. I know. Pop. He makes a Willy Wonka lollipop that makes his And then, even worse, they're like, hey, that was interesting. Forget Chris. Now we've forgotten Santa Claus completely. He's not in the movie. Now we're right. forgetting Christmas too, and we've yeah. moved on to March, which is yeah. now Christmas two, Roman numeral two. It's a marketing thing, and now for for Christmas in March, now we're gonna make. You know what kids really want? Candy canes in March. What? And those are gonna have the exact <laughs> same magical properties as the lollipops they didn't want either. And the movie ends, a movie called Santa Claus the Movie, the definitive movie about Santa Claus, ends right. with a shot of a human being floating to his death. The end! Here's the other thing, here's the other thing, here's the other thing. Like so many movies, they give you the solution to the problem, you know, uh, uh, 20 minutes in. The, 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 the reindeer can't do a loop-de-loop. Okay. Okay. Clearly that's going to be how, however they solve the whatever, whenever this movie, whenever the plot kicks in and the plot complication kicks in and they have to solve something, there's going to be a loop de loop. Mm -hmm. The, 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 it, <laughs> I can't describe the pointlessness of how that is used and how yeah. easily it could have been used to affect the thing that they're trying to do. I don't give a fuck about spoilers in this movie. No one should see this. Here's what happens. They, they, oh, they, no. yeah. they, uh, uh, they Somehow the candy canes- If you canes, can explain what actually happened, I'll be blown away. Oh, somehow the candy canes, if they're exposed to heat, there's a scene we never see where, where the Miss Tessmacher guy somehow finds out that if the candy canes are exposed to heat, they explode. Okay, so so uh, 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 Dudley Moore invents a flying car that where he puts all the candy canes and takes the flying car and the little girl 
to go back to the North Pole, but the car is heating up and only Santa and Joe know that it's going to explode because the candy canes are in there. Okay, so, so you're going to do the loop to loop to fix that problem, right? Just shoot them out of the sky. Just shoot them out of the sky. Well, uh, shoot them all before this even starts. But I'm like, oh, oh, they're going to hook the sleigh to the car so that the whole thing does a loop-de-loop and the candy canes fall out and they explode safely in the air, right? Ah. So that the whole apparatus does a loop-de-loop because the candy canes are just sitting there in the open trunk of the car. Oh, that'll be okay. That'll be great. That's why the loop-de-loop exists. They don't fucking do that. Santa goes under it, does a loop-de-loop, completes it. (laughs) The things explode in the car and he catches them. (laughs) He could have just stayed underneath it. He could what have the done a lot fuck? of things, Dan. He could have done a lot of things. See, that what but this what? whole movie is is so Santa, as you said, Santa's dying at the beginning. This man is dying. <laughs> Hypothermia. He's dying. And this He's whole movie, uh, these last flashes, the brain's fi- <laughs> like the synaptic charges and yeah he's just like weird things like exploding candy canes and dudley moore with less rouge than dudley moore usually wears in a movie and (laughs) and and homeless children and 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 old women who say library and 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 all the commercials he's ever thought might exist even though this is like Thirteen hundred and twelve, or whatever year we start, it's it's just a dying man's last images, and then John Lithgow floating into the ether is him. It's it's all of us really <laughs> saying goodbye yeah. to our mortality. Yeah. The sweet release of the of the of the of the great beyond, which is what we're all wishing for. But they should have had a, a look of peace, like I had in Brazil. They should have had a look of peace come over John Lithgow's face as he floats up and goes. Ah, and then have his head explode like in Total Recall. <laughs> and then, and then, the, yes, and the exploding bits of brain and skull should spell Merry Christmas. <laughs> like an itchy and scratchy cartoon. The whole time I'm watching this, you know, I'm thinking Burgess Meredith must have been like, seriously, you had to kill me off on Rocky Three so I could do this shit. Okay. You couldn't have kept me around. Okay. Now, is he supposed to be Jesus? Who is he supposed to be? Gandalf? I don't fucking I don't know. know. I really don't know. Is he long-bearded Jesus? Um, <laughs> Is there any other kind? <laughs> I don't know. The walrus king? Is he still Mickey somehow? Because Maybe. Oh, God, I wish he was, because, my God. That would have made both movies better if he was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. I did think his scene was the best part of the movie, even though he's clearly, like, you know, doddering away and phoning in. No, because I thought he, he actually well. explained... He explained... The prophecy? Be- uh, no, better than most stories of santa claus do the fact that time is elastic for him and that you're gonna go you know because everybody says how does santa get around the world in one night and it's like the night could be a year for you the night time expands for you i thought that was interesting but they never play with that no they not never at all play with that at all no. and why why is his name santa claus they make it this big thing and like and you shall be Santa right. Claus. We've never heard that saint name in before. that moment. That's when the moment he becomes a saint. I, I guess, guess so. Yeah, yeah, I guess shouldn't so. have had like a thick Italian accent of his Santa <laughs> Claus. I don't know. It, like I it just didn't. I know. I, didn't get I thought it. the same thing. I was like, what that nomination of Santa? What is, you know? You, they should have started by saying, "You shall be Saint Claus or Santa yeah, Claus." Exactly. Even <laughs> that would be better. Than that. And he'd be like, "Why don't we just go with Saint Claus?" And he's like, "Because a lot of people get you know upset when people start going around saying there's saints." So. <laughs> So we call you Santa. People will be like Santa. That's what is that Portuguese? And then you'll get by. 
And, you know, then years later, you can be like, motherfuckers, I'm a saint. <laughs> See, if it was this movie that we wanted to see, I would have been happy to make out the entire movie. Yeah, oh, right. Just to miss it all. And it would have put you in the mood. Now, listen. <laughs> but, but, okay. But two problems. You're saying that's the best scene in the movie. But, well, but Burgess Meredith, that would have been a great scene if they told you who Burgess Meredith was. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, no, like, I thought it was going to be maybe Father Time or something. Ladies and gentlemen, this is God. <laughs> or, oh, hey, everyone, here comes Father Time. Exactly. Who is he? I thought, like, he was the other Santa. Like, maybe they passed the Santa Claus mantle down, but they never talk about like it. Like the Tim right. Allen thing. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. like they keep changing Santa. You're right, Jason. He just sort of, like, there's this working factory, but who was doing it before? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, Didn't what is that sense. there for? Is it Didn't there in service of this man who doesn't know what he is yet? That doesn't make any sense. What is all this? They're Christmas toys. Waiting for you. <laughs> for me. Well, what have they got to do with me? You're going to give them to your children. There, there must be a mistake. I have no children. You do now. You have all the children of the world. But how could I deliver all these toys? I won't live long enough for that. Both of you will live forever. Like us. That that Burgess Meredith scene, he, he basically, yes, he explains the how Santa does it all in one night, but that means it's a life of abject torture. That's what I was Santa. thinking too, Dan. Every Christmas night. It sounded like an awful Sartre play. Oh my <laughs> God. Because like, there's like no, no exit. exit. So 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 you're going to spend how long how long ballpark it? How long do you think? It would take a human or a dead hypothermia angel <laughs> to go around the world and hit every home where every child, how many children, how many people are in the world? Eight billion at this point? Yeah, it takes mm -hmm. a, take a long time. How many children? Give me a third of that. <laughs> Three billion and something? My math's not good, but yeah, that's sounds billion, right. Okay, that's, I'm going to ballpark it at 100,000 years <laughs> to hit every goddamn house in the world where there's a kid. So every Christmas... This fucker goes up there for what to him is a hundred thousand years, then comes back for a year and does it all again for a hundred thousand years. That's what's called torture. That's hell. Can we just chill of this and zero and move on? Give a zero shields. I found nothing enjoyable about it. Nothing. There was nothing. I was not. I I couldn't wait for it to be over. Yeah, interminable. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, one point five. Because that beginning That's... is lovely. Huddleston, God bless him. He's, he's trying his damnedest. It's not. It's he's the, a good it, Santa you're Claus. Exactly yeah. right, Jason. Half the the second half of the movie is not about Santa Claus, and it's called Santa Claus the movie, and it's yeah. not about Santa Claus. That's not his fault. He's trying his best. One point five. Yeah, I, I I agree with you one hundred percent. I have one point five written here. I'm I'm gonna stick with that too, and it's mostly because he, he yeah he was a good Santa Claus, and the beginning suggested something that might have been more interesting, and so you get a few scenes like that, and then it yeah. and then it really does drag you to hell. It really does drag you to hell. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well. Oh boy. So listen, listen. Uh, yes. I got some stuff to bring up. Okay. Because we got some uh, we got some stuff in 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 my mail sack about uh, this last episode about the planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm -hmm. A lot of people love that movie, apparently. Oh, yeah. I watched it again yesterday. I watched it again you on did. Thanksgiving. Even though we just saw it, I watched it again with Kate. And I, after our discussion, I appreciated it 
even more and appreciated yeah. John wow. Candy. Both of them, Steve Martin and John Candy, even more. And I've seen it many, many times. I was weeping at the end. I don't know. Maybe it's oh, just because oh, this was a very that. weird Thanksgiving and we weren't with yeah. family yeah, and all of that. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, so. Um, I, Our good friend Dan Kuhn, who's written in before, he mentioned uh, that he was also bothered by the muted wife role and mm-hmm. mentions that he, he had a theory that the subtext is that Neil has cheated on his wife in the past. Our wow. old pal Andy Wells wrote what? in uh, something similar wow. about that. And in the midst of all this, I watched, a, and I think I sent the link to you guys, I, I watched a, a short documentary about mm-hmm. the movie because apparently it was m- like Caddyshack. There was a much longer cut of the movie. It was like three and a half hours long. And apparently there was a subplot where she did think that he may be having an affair and that was played up more. Um, now, I don't know. That makes uh, sense if they, now. If, if there's, yeah. And there's even something about, and, and, and Andy mentions wow. this as well, that there's something about the guy, Ferris Bueller's dad in the beginning. Yeah. She's like, well, how come he was able to get home and you didn't get home? You know, there's, there's a whole thing that she really does think that he's having an affair. Oh. And then the ending was a little more expanded as well. So apparently there was a lot more in the movie that was taken out that may have helped with some of the quibbles that we had. But would that yeah. would it have though? I mean, I just wanted the. I just well, it would have expanded to, her part. To, it would have deepened her somehow. But I think yeah. it would have tipped it in a in a direction that I, I'm happy they didn't go that way. But I think Me what too. she's playing is a subplot that we're not seeing, right? So right. I think that's yeah, what you're right. saying. Yeah, that's why it doesn't quite fit. We appreciate people writing in, yes. sending us their thoughts, unless we disagree with them, right? Yeah, then we then don't keep it to yourself. It. Yeah, my my wife actually uh, wrote something, sent something <gasps> in. What? Uh, yeah. What? Uh, Is it regarding... a new play? Let's read it. <laughs> no, it's it's <laughs> regarding Looney Tunes back in action. <sighs> oh come on! She said. Uh, Did she agree with my Sheila? Well, she said. Uh, oh, she, she she's on board with us, but uh, okay. she just had something to add into the mix. She said, "I Uh-oh. detested that film more than I can possibly <laughs> say." It made me want to gnaw off my own arm just to have something to beat myself unconscious with. But as a professional dramatist, I must weigh in as to what the correct answer is to the evergreen question, what is your favorite Looney Tunes character? Uh, There is only one correct answer. (laughs) Gentlemen, I posit that Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote are the most perfect distillation of drama imaginable these cartoons rival the heights of greek tragedy asking questions about the intersection of self-determination and destiny in each episode we encounter endless variations of a storyline that always results in the same inevitable surrender to the vicissitudes of fate and yet we always hope for change we hope for that which contradicts itself Mm. we both root for that chipper smug birdie bastard not to be eaten and for that poor mangy son of a bitch to catch him it is the perfect dramatic structure the most poignant encapsulation of our human condition because we all like to think that we are the roadrunner blithely beeping away from danger but we know deep in our hearts that we are the coyote which of us has not seen wiley hovering over a cliff holding a smoking husk of a parasol that has just been struck by lightning looking down to see the void suddenly open beneath his feet and cringed squinting as if turning away from our own unflattering reflection in a mirror Perhaps these cartoons have no dialogue because our lives provide their language. 
<laughs> wow. Yours, Professor Dr. Madam Catherine Hamill, Esquire, DDS, LLC, CPR. P.S. Is that the erotic fan fiction that I asked the writers to write in? As soon as she said vicissitudes, uh, I got excited. Vicissitudes, I know. She said it to me. I was like, hello. I was like, hello. put that on paper. No, wait, did she see it when you saw it, Jason, or she saw she it when did. it came out? She, okay. No, she didn't see it when it came out. She she was watching it along with me and and at some point she excused herself because she was allowed to go to sleep and I had to sit there and finish it. She needed to write this. She's like, please, I need to go. I need to write your dissertation on this and then send it to you, even though you're literally right next to me. Yeah, she should have that published in like a scholarly journal. That's like when uh, uh, Arnold uh, gave us that breakdown of Commando. That was uh, really, it's very I similar in that, that regard. When yeah, he called that in was on the time when phone. he called in yes. on the time phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, she she watched the movie with me, but then she listened to our episode and she was prompted to uh, <laughs> to write, to put these thoughts. Well, I'll tell you, paper. I mean, I'll tell you, it, it makes a lot of sense because, because you know, there is that lost episode where uh, Wiley Coyote finds out that uh, Roadrunner is both his wife and mother. And so he gouges out his own eyes <laughs> like Oedipus, <laughs> a la Oedipus. <laughs> With the, then, with a- Acme brand knitting needles, is that what <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He opens up Acme mm-hmm. needles and gouges out of the brooches that he, and he gouges yeah. out of the <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn plays Tiresis. <laughs> I, I say, I, I see, I see, <laughs> instead of I, I say, I, I say, I see, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! That's that man. That those were some of the biggest words and smartest thoughts that have ever been uttered on this podcast. She's good like that. She's real good. And now the opposite of that: a Thanksgiving card from Sheila. Oh. (laughs) Does she have vicissitude for dinner for Thanksgiving? I I think that's what murder hornets like. They love. They really love that. It's how they make their honey. Just a thin paste. Go ahead. Vicissitude. Very viscous vicissitude. There's a lot of vicissitude on the eagle's nest. (laughs) And in the hornet's nest, allegedly, because she's, gentlemen, as we found out last week, she's about to go into hibernation. So this is both a Thanksgiving card and a goodbye card. Uh, It's uh, goodbye for now. You know, it says uh, gobble, gobble, happy Thanksgiving (laughs) and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Valentine's Day and probably Happy St. Patrick's Day because I'll see (gasps) you when the weather is warm again. Gobble, she makes an off-color joke here about a a pop-up timer. I'm not going to get into it, but she says gobble, gobble, and, uh, and I'll see you in the spring. And, uh, and that's it. So she's going into, you know, she's going to mate, she's going to mate, I guess. And, uh, and how do you feel about that? Well, you know, listen, I'm very worried about these vacuuming queen. What did we call it? What do we don't stop with these? Don't suck the queens. Stop sucking the queens. Stop sucking queens. And and I'm worried about this, that she's unaware of it or she doesn't know what's, what's gonna, what's gonna happen when these, when these people go up there to the Pacific Northwest and start vacuuming down the nests. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping she's aware of that. And I hope I'm, I'm just hoping she keeps herself, uh, she keeps herself safe because I don't want her nest to get uh, sucked <laughs> out of the sky. No, not in the middle of mating either. Yeah, well, hello. That would be that would be like what you experienced in the eagles. <laughs> that would be, be redundant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I just hope she's safe, and I hope uh, and I hope the, that she uh, molts and does whatever the fuck she needs to do <laughs> under there, uh, and that she, she and all her two hundred sisters in the nest go and make more <laughs> more nests and become you know. Uh, I mean, I have nothing against these murder hornets. I hope they thrive. 
you know, and I just hope that we see her again in the springtime. Sheila, we love you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for everything you've done for this podcast. All the best to you. Keep spreading the word. Exactly. If she spreads it to her other queens and they each have a nest and they spread and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on. <laughs> That's how it works, so folks. On, then iTunes, Spotify, Transistor, exactly. get on it. Be like a murder hornet. <laughs> Be like a DNA spliced murder hornet slash stalker and get the word out. Yeah. There's no easy way out of this conversation. And there's no easy way out of Rocky Four. But I think we should move on. Let's do it. What do you guys think? I think go for it. Go for it. Does he say that in this movie? No, he says that in the other No, that was in that was in three. That was in the good movie. Oh well let's talk about it. It's Rocky Four. Drago is the most perfectly trained athlete ever. Whatever he hits, he destroys. He could have stopped the fight. He could have saved his best friend's life. I'll never forget you, Apollo. But now, the one thing he can't do is walk away. Has the fight date been set yet? December 25th. Where? It's in Russia. Are you nuts? Miss Balboa, when will you be going to Russia? I'm not going to Russia. I don't know what you're talking about. He's had one professional fight, and one man is dead. To Tabibi, he's going to have to kill me. Why can't you change your thinking? Because I'm a fighter. You can't win! Rocky Four. After reclaiming the heavyweight championship boxing title from Mr. T's Clever Lang, Rocky Balboa, played by the film's writer and director Sylvester Stallone, plans to retire and live with his wife, Adrian, played by Talia Shire. However, during an exhibition match, Rocky's friend and former rival-slash-manager Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, is mercilessly beaten to death by hulking Russian newcomer Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren. Rocky vows payback against Drago and flies to Russia to train for a Christmas Day fight over the course of four music videos during which he grows a beard and climbs a mountain with the help of alter ego Cliff Hanger. <laughs> Despite their vastly different training methods and the fact that only one of them is openly shown to be injecting steroids, Rocky and Drago go toe-to-toe -to -toe over the course of a masochistically long and intense 15 rounds. By far the most successful of the Rocky films, Rocky IV seems to consist of approximately 60% new footage as it apparently never met a flashback it didn't wallow in. The film made $20 million over its opening weekend on its way to a $127.8 million domestic total and a worldwide haul of more than $300 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Rocky IV? Guys, this might make me sound really un-American. I, I couldn't stand this movie. I hated this movie. What about it hurt. <laughs> it's about you like Eye of the Tiger? Moment. We'll give you three Eye of the Tigers. Oh boy. Burning heart, hearts on fire, and whatever the other fun one Survivor? is. No easy way out. Were there like there no. Was, okay? No Survivor did Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. He did Eye of the Tiger, and then he did they he did Burning Heart, <laughs> Mister Survivor. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, <laughs> They did Eye of the Tiger and Burning Heart. Did they do any of the other songs on the soundtrack? No, no, no they didn't do no. It was No Easy Way Out and Hearts on Fire, yeah. the two other oh, ones. Yeah, yeah. So look, mm -hmm. here's the thing. 
it hurt my soul watching this movie. I didn't see, I saw it when it first came out. Oh yeah. You know, because who doesn't love, because I loved Rocky three. I love all the, the first three Rockies. I love yeah. them. Now I haven't seen Rocky three in a while, so I don't know if it holds up. It, it may not, but I loved it as a kid. That was a birthday movie that I saw. That was, you know, mm. my mom made the birthday cake. Like Fred knocks out Clubber Lang or whatever it was. <laughs> like I had the birthday cake for it. Uh, I loved it. That was my favorite movie of that year, I think. I loved it. I loved Eye of the Tiger, everything about it. And I remember when I saw this, uh, even as a kid when I saw it, I knew there was something, instinctively I knew something was Mm -hmm. off with it. And just watching it again, and it's so weird to me because I know so many people who love this movie. Like, I have a lot of friends who really, like, this is one of their favorites, and especially they they love the soundtrack and the training sequence. Ugh. Olympic athletes, you know, really look to this training sequence as the one to go to. Mm. <laughs> it, it was such a fucking mess, and I'm so glad that you said that, Jason, in the beginning about the, the, the montages and the flashbacks, God. because that was most of the movie, and I think that's what got me so excited and what set up the huge fall that my heart and soul took <laughs> in watching the movie because it starts off, it's all shit from Rocky three. Yeah. Which like, I loved as a like kid. 15 minutes of Rocky three before you yeah. get to the movie. It was a lot. And I just thought, so I was getting so excited and it was so nice. I hadn't seen a Rocky movie in a while. Mm-hmm. And those characters are just, you know, they're, they're just a part of all of our DNA. We grew up with them. And Sylvester Stallone, I mean, that's, that's his best role. It's his, it's his, oh, it's, yeah. and it's he's, defining he's still role. He's great in role. it. I think he's, he's still, great. he's still very entertaining and believable. I, I feel, you know, I, Absolutely. I think he's good. He, he fits in that role like a glove. I mean, it's it's lovely. So to see all those characters coming back was so exciting. And then it just it. I mean, we won't even talk about the robot. We'll just we'll just skip the, the, the robot. The robot that Burt Young clearly yeah. has sex with at some point in that movie. Yeah, we'll just. Uh, I don't even know if we should talk about it no. because I, I I don't. I mean, we will. But it, the movie <laughs> again, it was like Santa Claus. The movie didn't make any sense. I don't know what this movie, I, I'm not sure what it was about. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that maybe it was Stallone trying to take on the evils of of, of jingoism and, and extreme mm-hmm. nationalism on either side, but also showing how bad the communists really are. Yeah, no, he's leaning into the jingoism. He he's definitely is. I don't, hard he might have been. Watching it this time, I was wondering if maybe... Maybe saying that both sides aren't great and let's all come together. I, you know, I think that might have been something there. But here's the thing. Where does that, you know, oh, God, this movie just ups- this upset me more than it than it should have. I, re- I couldn't sleep after I watched the movie. I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about it so much. But, you know, the first movie you have this, it's the classic underdog movie. And it's such a simple story. And you're introduced to these mm-hmm. beautiful, you know, really well-drawn characters characters just people yeah and it's it's not real it's not even about boxing really you know it's just about yeah then the second one is a sort of a fascinating look at like all right here's a guy who who went the distance and then what happens you know he's still he's just a regular schmuck on the streets you know what's he gonna do so it's you know sort of seeing what's he gonna do with the rest of his life he went the distance but can actually can he can he go for it as you said can he really Mm. go all the way in life, in the ring, and and he does. And the ending of Rocky II is still, oh, I have tears just sobbing mm-hmm. in the phlegm. It's wonderful. And then Rocky III I always found interesting. Again, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know if it'll hold up. But I love the idea that it's like, okay, here's the guy who's on the top, 
then what happens? Yeah. You've you've got yeah. your wildest dreams. You're here, and oh my god! And you know what? They've been they've been throwing their fights. You know, it, it's not really what you thought. And what happens when you're brought down? You get and soft. It's that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. You get soft, and then he's brought down, and then you have that wonderful scene with Talia Shire on the beach, where you're like, oh my god, look what they. You know, they it, there are all these surprises. Oh my god, Apollo's going to train them. Like that was a great surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mickey dying, great, yeah. you know, awful surprise. Adrian finally coming into her own, great surprise. So I feel like they did, at least story-wise, it was still going up. Here, there was nothing. And it started off- Formulaic. You know, you started off with 15 minutes of Rocky Three, <laughs> And then you had this idea that that really should have been the whole idea of the movie, which is literally, and they show Stallone doing it, when do you throw in the towel? You know, and that's the whole thing when Apollo gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's like they want him to throw the towel in. And he, and he holds it. He can't throw it in because Apollo said don't. And that could have been a really, which I guess he did later in Rocky Balboa or Rocky Five. But the idea of what, how do you deal with your own irrelevance? But didn't, but and Fred, how me, did you miss? Uh, didn't you hear his justification in that great scene with Shalia Shire on the on the stairs when he said oh something God. to the effect of, "When fighters, when fighters fight, fighters have to fight, and the fighting is what fighters do, because the fight, because what a fight, what you don't understand, Adrian, is that a fighter has to be a fighter." And when fighters fight, they're fighters. And then he says something on the order of, uh, and I, I rewound this 47 I, times and watched it with the subtitles. Dude, he I did too. I wrote it like, down word for word. Do you have it? He, he says, this he is says, what I, I got. If, he, it's, if, he's, it's if I'm putting my life on the line, then yeah. Drago is going to stand there and watch <laughs> me standing there. And he's going to have his life. Yeah. And he's going to, and that's why I have he to. Says, he says, no, maybe it, I can't win. Maybe the only thing I can do is just take everything he's got. But to beat me, he's going to have to kill me. And to kill me, he's going to have to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, he's got to be willing to die himself. And I don't know if he's ready to do that. I don't know. What? (laughs) That's what I wrote. I wrote, the speech on the stairs makes no sense. He wants to see if Drago has the heart to stand in front of him and is willing to die himself. What the fuck? He stood in front of your friend and he killed him. He killed your friend easily. (laughs) By standing in front of him. He's not worried about dying. Drago's not worried about dying at all. But that's what I mean. There was no... It's just sound. If the movie was about... if if, if, that's the thing. What's upsetting because but it, he it's, wrote and Rocky I get it. One. That's a great script. I, I know, but here's the thing, and I get it. If Sylvester Stallone at this point was like at the height of his power, really, I wish he had the guts at the time to say, you know what, this is going to be it. Because um, this is the movie where it should have been about what happens to to boxers when they do die, when they do get brain damage, when they do throw in what the towel. What happens when how you, you can't go the distance? You, exactly. How do you walk away from right. that? And how the, Rocky's and thing is all about going the distance. Right. And he could have made a really, really brave, vulnerable movie like the first one. But it turned into this whole like it it, it made no sense. It made no sense why he would want to fight. He's telling Apollo, don't fight him, don't fight him. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And then he watches it like you said, he kills him in like five punches. I don't want this chump to come over here with all that that hype, you know, trying to make us look bad. You try every other way. With Rock's help, we can get great media coverage. We make them look bad for a change. I think it's wrong. It's never been more right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing was just upsetting I, to me. I, I think, uh, you know, I think two things are at work here in terms of what Stallone is, you know, what, what he's morphed into and what he's trying. First of all, it is a shameless 
music video for half the movie. It really is. That's it's all it just is. montage is set to like songs off of a soundtrack. You I mean, didn't it's like exactly tra- training sequence number six? I, I didn't like training sequence one. number six. I also didn't like literally three scenes in a row where the discussion is, you're too old. You won't be able to do this, mm-hmm. Carl Weathers. Uh, three scenes in a row, yes. the same conversation, yeah. just with different characters saying, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's really... It's it's a movie made for the idiocracy. It is really like what we're it it it, it like I look at this and I was watching it and I thought this is a yeah. fascinating sociological time capsule of sorts because it is like it's like it's th- this is like the this is the origin of 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 Donald Trump and where we are now and this this what the way America sees itself and I mean you know it's all flash and style and no substance and it is and and literally the things people say to each other don't make sense but if they sound like something you hook into the sound of it and you're like i know what the you know what i mean like a child who doesn't understand english could watch this and be like i get where it's going i get what it is i think he's wearing a don't tread on me jacket yes i know paul is wearing a don't tread absolutely jacket The, the two things about this movie that i'll say that are interesting actually actually interesting oh and the other thing i was going to say about why he even goes to this territory you know this came out the same year as rambo first blood part two and you know you talk about the jingoism and stuff i mean that Back to the Future was the number one movie of this year, and then number two and three in rapid mm-hmm. succession are Rambo two and Rocky four. I mean, Stallone wow. was really cornering a market on like, and this is also very much the feel of a lot of these other like Chuck Norris movies and other things. It's all about America great, outsiders bad. You know, it's just you know oh, yeah. the Russians bad, the commies bad, the the Asian you know Asians bad. Everything There's basically bad. a Gorbachev character in this. There is. It's yeah. supposed to be he Gorbachev. Does the slow clap. He gives him a slow <laughs> clap at the end. Rocky tears down communism, and he gives him a slow clap. The two things that I think are interesting are that big living in America scene with James Brown, like the mm-hmm. uh, the. Because that is the ugly American. Everything about that scene, yes. the way they push that guy, Dolph Lundgren's uh, fighter, right? I mean, yeah. and the, the, that first fight is all at the press conference and then at the actual event. It's supposed to be a goodwill exhibition match between East and West. And instead, right. it's just rubbing the Russian's face in it, rubbing that fighter's face in it. And like America, 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 USA, 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 mocking him, laughing at him. And then the Mm -hmm. fucking guy gets killed. And I don't, I'm not happy that he gets killed, but I got to say, I was a little like, I do need you to stop talking and dancing uh, a little bit. I mean, it's, but I think that's the point of that whole segment. And I think that's, that's a good thing. That's interesting. I think Stallone was showing the, the, the bad sides of that, you know, this jingoism and nationalism on both sides. I I guess you're right, Fred, you're right. I felt for, I thought Dolph Lundgren not that he was great that he get, but he did. He had no lines. He did as much as he no. could with that. Yeah. I saw the pain and the confusion in him. He was yes. used. He was Frankenstein in this movie. He was basically yes. the Frankenstein monster, just yeah. used and abused. And then as soon as he's not living up to that potential, they turn on him and he lashes out at them. And he says, I fight for me. He's in so much 
pain there and he's yeah. and i actually felt the one character i really felt for in the whole movie and maybe this <laughs> means i you know I, my, I lose my citizenship or something i felt for drago more than anybody else no, in i the think movie. it's designed that way i think it's designed that way well i didn't notice that when i was a kid and i don't think most people no, watching that's it felt the problem that. right and that's yeah. the problem because as a kid i remember going yeah rocky throughout yeah, this exactly. whole thing and, ah, ha, ha, ha. like everything that is on the um, sort of the usa side of the story yeah, it was like the uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik, you know, all over Egg. again. USA, exactly. USA. Yeah. Exactly. And, and no, you know. that's I was really watching it this time. I really thought, oh, I wonder if Stallone is actually trying to make a comment on that, you know, on that big American rah, 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 rah. And especially, and I felt it, especially at the end when Drago did that turn and said, I fight for me. I was like, that's not there just to give him a line. That's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. That being said, why what's and i get it, it was in the 80s and that was at the time but yeah. it, it just well, reagan and gorbachev get together around this time right not to solve everything but they have a meeting because of rocky yeah. I, all because of rocky yeah <laughs> but as kids we weren't super aware were we super aware that, i i was like, but i was hey, a couple years gonna, older you know than yeah you i was aware that like we're not supposed to like russia Sure, you know, of they're course. The, yeah. they're, the, right. they're the evil empire because right. Reagan said that. Here's my biggest problem. You can't work. If you work out that hard in the snow, you're going to turn an ankle. <laughs> you can't run like that yeah, in the be snow. Be careful, Rocky, boots. for God's sake. That's all I kept thinking. I'm like, there's no way. But did you get it? He climbed the mountain. Did you get it? D yeah, but did he you climb the mountain? Did you also think like, how is he getting off of that? <laughs> yeah, how is he going to get down? <laughs> when I when did the like... Russians come with a helicopter and they're like, you cannot escape by air. <laughs> you cannot breathe up here. The uh the I did like the one thing in the one training in in training montage number I think this was number 12. Uh the Russian Drago is pushing is is doing a a uh, a clean and jerk like a like a lift over his yeah. head of the things and Rocky is doing it with essentially them. It's them yeah. in yes. a in a cart. And it's uh, uh, Tally Shire Duke. The actor who plays Duke, I think, is very good. I, 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 yeah, I, like, I thought he did, was lovely in his and, and, right. and he's lifting them, not over yes. his head, but using the pulley system or whatever, or the, <laughs> or the cart to lift them over his head. And I was like, oh, that's really cool because it's like it's personal for Rocky and it's just a machine thing for what's I like the idea of it that you're seeing, you know, like you said, Frankenstein's monster right. with all the yeah. scientists around and like, but then, and then Rocky's just him and like some bricks and chopping wood. I like the idea of yeah. it. There's just to what end. And it, and it all comes down to that scene on the staircase that you guys brought up. It made no sense. Right. There was no reason why Rocky had to go and do this that made sense. It's also incredibly it, it, callous because she's like, you know, he's like, uh, well, these things don't, you know, stuff doesn't matter. The things doesn't matter. The, the things we have and the cars and the house and things don't matter. You're waiting for Talia Shire to say, well, how about me? This house and the cars and all the stuff we got, that ain't everything. There's a lot more than this, Adrian. Before there were reasons to fight, I could understand, but I don't understand this. Even if you win, what have you won? Apollo's still gone. Why can't you change your thinking? Everybody else does. Because I'm a fighter. That's the way I'm made, Adrian. That's what you married. We can't change what we are. Yes, you can. We can't change anything, Adrian. All we can do is just go with what we are. We can't go with what you are. Have you read the papers? 
Do you know what everybody says? It's suicide. The kid is laying in bed and says, do you you ever get scared, Dad? And he turns to his son. I laughed out loud. The camera is is watching the child's (laughs) face as his father says, yeah, sometimes uh, I, I wish the guy would hit me so hard that I would die. Like, and yeah, yeah. and the camera's not on Stallone. It's on the child receiving that information. Yeah. That sometimes I wish, I long for the sweet release. <laughs> sometimes I wish I were John Lithgow floating up into space. <laughs> You'll get that reference after this movie comes out, because I'll take you to see Santa Claus instead. This will stink. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, <sighs> this intru- this movie introduces us to Brigitte Nielsen, does it not? Yes, it yes. does. She's she's yeah, and did wow. Stallone and her Stallone. get together right Yowza. here and now, or was it later? Yeah, no, I think it was Ooh. it was during. The, I think they were already together by the time this movie came out. Because oh, were they? So he put yeah. her in the movie. She had been in, or maybe they got together while they were making it. But she had oh, made. Oh, okay, she Red Sonia had come out earlier this year that oh, she played Red Sonia with Schwarzenegger. What about Beverly Hills Cop 2? That was two years later. That was, yeah, that was 87. When yeah. did she move on to Flavor Flav? That's all I care about. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, she we're living together, I think. Alone in, uh, in, to Flavor Flav. <laughs> the, uh, the diametric opposite. Literally human. running the gamut. Running the gamut. <laughs> Uh, God um, bless her. God bless her for going for, to Stallone to Flavor Flav. You know what's so funny? Here's one thing I just, and I just thought of it now. What was the thing in the 80s with, by the time you get to like your fourth sequel, it's got to be a message movie, right? Rocky Four is like yeah. about, you yes, know, right. the, the East and West getting along and, and the politics, right. whatever it is. It's, it's certainly about commenting on current events in some yeah. way. Superman 4. Superman 4 about <gasps> nuclear war right. and disarmament. Right. And yeah. uh, uh, um, Star Nightmare Trek 4. Street 4. Star Trek 4 about save the whales, saving the whales. The whole point of that is like, if we don't save the whales, there won't be a future. And it's right. I, right. It's pretty interesting. Jaws 4. Like Nightmare on Elm Street you know, 4 was about, I think, the bald eagle, right? <laughs> Environmentalism. I think so. Jaws I mean, 4 was about, was about, the about don't, uh, don't upset sharks because they're sentient and they'll make it personal. <laughs> no, but I mean, just those three. Rocky, Superman, and uh, and Star Trek all within like a year and a You're half. Right. And it's like, right. what is it with the message movie to justify cranking out a fourth movie what's interesting too is that stallone wrote and direct rocky four christopher reeve did the story superman yeah so maybe it's maybe it's also the actor saying you know let's let's if i'm gonna do this let's make it more important it absolutely is it absolutely was for reeve that was like that's why i want to i want this means something to me so that's the only way i'll sign to do that and maybe leonard i think leonard nimoy maybe was uh the driving force behind the whales uh subplot or, or God, now that, like that that whole there's no easy way out montage great song I'll, I'll play it while i'm on the treadmill but what a lazy way of storytelling i mean it was just it was literally the entire song. You're absolutely right. It's the right. plot it, it of the like, movie. Like, he's like, okay, then they fight. East versus West. Yeah. There's a Drago. And there's a Bridget Nielsen, too. Like, it's, it might as well be that. <laughs> Paulie's fucking his computer. <laughs> this kid has a different father. <laughs> Paulie suddenly became like a clown. Like, he was a wasted kid. But that's the thing you said earlier about, he's a good you know, actor, about... Young. Oh, he's wonderful. He's really good. You know, it's hard for me to say these kind of things because that ain't my way. But if I could just unzip myself and step out and be someone else, I want to be you. 
he was ridiculous in this. Talia Shire was wasted. I, again, you know, she had that beautiful moment in Rocky Three where she finally stands up for herself. And you're right. And she doesn't stand up for herself at all. And she's not like, what about the fucking no, family? She just you're shows up. Right she's like, I, I missed you. And it's like, how about the fact that he never said that he was, that you were important to him? When he when yeah. when he he just talked about the house and stuff, oh, it was bad. This was this I wrote th- this is this is the first end of a Rocky movie where I didn't give a shit, <laughs> and that's what that's right. what was sad to me. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Every the end of the first three movies always hits me emotionally. Yeah. I love it. You know, it doesn't matter what happens oh, before the first you one, get I'm to in those tears. tears. It's amazing. You know, where's your hat? And then oh. you know, yo, Adrian, I did it. And the third one is I I just. You know, I was at the right age for that. Maybe that's what it I want to watch that one again because I agree with you. I think it is. I think no matter what, it's definitely better than this. But I wonder how much it holds up. I do think the fact that it did so many different things. Rocky three, you know, like really made a turn. Yeah. Rocky two yeah. is almost like is very similar in some ways. And the yeah, template is the same. And then it's like, like it's almost like let's retcon Rocky one. Now, Rocky one was so popular that now we have to make him win the fight was a little, but it's beautiful and beautifully done. And the acting is great. Rocky three does a lot of interesting and surprising stuff and at least does something different. And you're right. Even though like Stallone had turned into this like weird, you know, all of a sudden he looks completely different, whatever work he'd had done and all oh, the God, working sure. out he's done. But they and play on that and fact. That's they the do. thing. And that's what I like. At the least hair. they take it to another level. Yeah. They explore that level of what happens to when, success. you know, the guy from the street becomes the success, you know? And I, and I thought they did a really good job at that. You see all the product placement in this too? Everybody's wearing Hugo Boss. And, uh, oh, and uh, big Hugo Boss boss on it. Big yeah. Boss, big uh, Adidas was another one. There was Sony. There were other, those were a little more subtle, but yeah, the Boss ones were big yeah it's just the 80s yeah. it's the 80s I must break you. did you guys know about this Dolph Lundgren hit Stallone so hard he his heart started to swell yes I he like did. shattered a rib and he that. had to go he went to to emergency surgery or something he was I out for that. a week oh my god ridiculous crazy Crazy. That's right. I remember that at the time. I remember because I, I saw this movie opening weekend too. I saw both of these that that whatever that Thanksgiving weekend or weekend after, and uh, and I had gotten a magazine, a Rocky Four magazine that uh, you know the, <laughs> one of those. You know what I mean? Those like the way Star Logel. Oh yeah. So I I would always get not just magazines that like entertainment weekly or whatever that had art, but if it was a special souvenir, that's what they would call it. The souvenir oh, yeah. magazine. So I had the Rocky four one. And I think in that, I had the Rocky three it, one it said that it was, uh, you just reminded me. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of those things, but uh, yeah. So I remember that it was like, Oh, it was so real. that Stallone oh, went to the hospital. Yeah. I knew all that too. Oh, I'll have to like uh, get some screenshots of, you know, i did another, comic book this year this was the this was the piece de resistance of my mad magazine this was the one i did it was called it was called box office i had it i spent the whole year making it it's the game of love yeah i think of that all the time when i think of our (laughs) when i see the cover of it i think of our theme song for the board game box office and uh which i'm sure people out there are very familiar with low, um, the low rent trivial pursuit ripoff that we played in comedy, tragedy, action, drama, fantasy. It's box office. It's the game of love. It's the game of love. That song is almost as good as there's no easy way out. Uh, but yeah, so I did. I did this this magazine, and 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 Rocky Four was one of the main 
um, parodies in oh, the uh, in the issue. Gotta find it. Rocky gotta Road pictures. Four. I've got oh, it. brilliant! I couldn't do Rockhead Four because that was Mad Magazine's purview, so I went Rocky ah. Road Four. Oh yeah, I I got it. I was very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. I'll uh, take some screenshot. I mean, it's probably awful now. It was ninth grade, but at the time, I was like, mm, "This is pretty good." <laughs> How did you know you could draw in a in a caricaturist kind of way? I mean, because it, like, when did that when did that strike you that you were able to be like, okay, I can take this person's features and in well, essence exaggerate them? Well, you know why? Because I would I would mimic. I would like copy stuff out of mad magazine all the time like i was drawn to it i loved the mort drucker style yes, i like yeah. i was mesmerized by it this was the first one the one i did in ninth grade it was like my my the the kind of uh challenge i gave myself was not to use any of his to just go from photographs so and do free, my free yeah. yeah just do my you know like look at pictures and and so some of them come out more caricature than others some of them just look like almost like a little more developing your little own straighter style. you know portrait wise and then that developed too from there but this was the first time i kind of said all right if i'm gonna do it on my own what would it look like so when you see it it'll kind of look just like drawings of people of photos you know what i mean some of it it won't have as much of a spin or a an exaggeration on some of them but you gave it a little yeah. flavor after a little, little bit i tried okay oh, how man. many how many sheilas oh i'll go four for rocky four that's exactly what i was gonna say dan i was gonna say four I i'm was giving it a two Ooh. this is a rough week for me this was i can't think of a week that i i, I was more disappointed in yeah even it's... even like uh baby's day out and the shadow and blown away that was one of Ooh, that was man. a low point too but there, there was there was still something no there was nothing fun about baby's day out but the other movies there was something slightly <laughs> interesting to unpack these were santa claus was just just a, a, such a strange strange cinematic shit show and rocky four was just disappointing to me i just i was just it, it hurt me yeah. It's it it's swelled my heart in a bad way. Oh. <laughs> it was like it was like Drago punched me in the it chest. Swelled my heart in a bad way. <laughs> it was like Alexander and Elias Salkind punched us all in the chest and swelled <laughs> our hearts. God. In a bad way. Yeah. Oh my god. That's okay, really but if you had funny. a choice, no easy way out, burning heart or hearts on fire. What are you going to listen to while you climb up a mountain in Russia? Oh, you know what'll help us decide? Is hearing all three of those oh. hand farted. Oh, oh one my. after another. Now you give me the song because it's three songs, right? Let's three do, let's do it songs. in order. It starts okay. no, it's no easy way. Well, okay. actually, it really starts with Eye of the Tiger. All right, let's There's start three with that. major songs oh, in the movie. All right, let's start with a Little Eye of the Tiger just to take us back to the good movie because that's from Rocky Three, right? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, let's start with a Little Eye. <laughs> Wow. Wow. 
we slide into There's no wheezy way out. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Ooh. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Burning yeah. Heart, a little burning heart. Yeah. There's a burning, burning heart. heart. Now, this is Survivor again, Just right? about to yeah. burst. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, God. Wait. That's, right. That's way off. That's off. Wow. Let me find the note. There it is. Wait. <laughs> wow. All right. And this is it. This is it. Now, okay. Jason, you can't Beautiful. see this, but right now, Jason is in his room, and he's he's got scientists all around him. He's got needles going into his arm. He's punching bags. Whereas I, you can't see this. I'm I'm literally running up a mountain right now. I'm running in the, the mountains of of, of Mamaroneck and Westchester. I'm going, and now we need a little hearts on fire. This is it. This is the big one. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? That's all I remember. I must break you. Hey, that's another interesting thing. I always thought it was, I will break you. I must break you is the line, which shows that it is not his, it's not his will. It is what, it is what he is being made to do. It's his must. It's his mustiness. It's his musty. Musk. I thought that was an interesting thing. I'm, that I'm, I'm, is that is. I never put that together, but that's true. I must thank you one. because I'm required to. That'll mm. get that'll get you a slow clap from Gorbachev as well. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't put the tattoo on the guy's head or the birthmark on the guy's head. Come on, go the extra step. No, they were like they were like that's naked gun territory. We're trying to yeah. keep it. We're trying to keep it serious. <laughs> what is it in naked gun? Isn't it like Florida or something? Isn't it? It's it's not, yeah, it's something. I, I or or it's the actual thing, and then Leslie Nielsen like puts him in a headlock and rubs it off with. Uh, That's what he's it wearing is. a turban. Yes. It's a very sensitive portrayal <laughs> of, uh, of of global relations. Oh yeah, <laughs> at the beginning of that movie, um, he takes the turban off and he rubs uh, Gorbachev's head with it. Um, uh, brilliant. Ah, uh, speaking of things to rub a head to next <laughs> week. Hey yo. Wow. Hey, oh. Next wow. week we are. I can't That's make, the I best can't... segue in the history of the podcast. <laughs> Next week we are looking back to December 10th, 1982 and a trio of films. This has been a couple weeks now where it's just been two movies each. Now we're back to a, 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 a triumvirate of releases. Uh, all comedies, although I guess mm. one is uh, has, has a little more of an action bent. Uh, Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. In the toy. Oh boy. Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte in 48 Hours. And the classic, you know it's your favorite. Airplane 2, the sequel. Which I think has mostly the same jokes as Airplane 1. But if we don't watch Airplane 1, Shatner in this. Shatner is in it. Shatner is in this. Sonny Bono. Um, right. I think, I think the, the original 
I think Julie Haggerty and uh, yeah, is it Robert they're Hayes? They're in it yeah. too. Yeah, they're all back. Great. Um, Nielsen's back, I believe. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It should be fun. I, I don't remember don't if think it recycles. Oh, I saw. I've seen oh, it. Oh, I've seen it many, many times. times. It's been a long time. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I did watch it a lot on video. So <laughs> it'll be fun to uh, to take a look back at all three of those. 48 yeah. hours I haven't seen in a long time. Long time. And in Same fact, here. in fact, I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. I never did. I was too, because I remember when it came out, I was like, wow, this is an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I, I went to go see the toy. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. I like, I can't, exactly. I saw the toy. I and I remember this. being in the cafeteria as a kid. When the, these movies came out, and you know, a few a couple months later, and one of my friends, this kid John O'Donnell, he I remember him saying, "You haven't seen Forty Eight Hours." I was like, "No." He's like, "You are deprived." <laughs> you know, he literally said, "I am a I'm deprived." I remember that where I was like, "God, I'm excited. I'm I'm huge. actually very excited to finally watch it all the way through." Yeah, and I always I loved the toy, even as a kid, knew it was problematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Why does Jackie Gleason?" Does he own Mr. Pryor <laughs> right now yeah. for a period of time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trixie, Trixie. But um, but I remembered really <laughs> loving it, too. I oh, think yeah. we, there was like the scene where he's in Spider-Man pajamas, and I was like, Richard Pryor is Spider-Man? This is crazy. He's, like, he's a nerd Scotty like Schwartz? me. Uh, Scotty Schwartz? Scotty. I, he's going to be in porn movies soon. Ah. Yeah. I got oh. a feeling about that kid. Yeah, oh, there's something that this. spoke to all our interests. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week on Opening Weekend. The Opening Weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.